BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Nina West, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Your Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Your Mouth. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most is Munoz. And I mean, August. It's just, it's literally August. And we blinked and the summer's over. That's it. Um, pack your bags. We're not going back to school. We're still in the house. And it is hot AF in the city, y'all. How y'all doing out there today? I am so excited, though, for today's episode. This has been hit after hit, folks, of episode guest after episode guest. And I am so honored today to have the owner of what is debatably the second oldest gay bar in the Americas, Miss Helen Buford. Say hi, Helen. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Michael. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, no, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm so excited to kind of get into a little bit of like the, the history of Julius Barr, um, talk to you about everything that's going on, especially during this quarantine, talking about um, hopefully how we, um, myself and the listeners can um, possibly help you out as well. We have a lot to uncover today for sure. But before we get to anything, I wanted to wish you happy National Oyster Day. Ooh, wonderful. Now uh, I'm hungry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> We have oysters for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we have oysters for breakfast? I guess there's no rules, right? Right. I I I mean, oysters and e- fried oysters and eggs, right? Or yeah. like a like or like a fried oyster Benedict. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want raw oysters for breakfast. Um, fried sounds good to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe like a. Uh, the, yeah, have you seen people do um, and. Listen, I'm relating this to, back to Julius, right? Burgers with fried oysters on it, and then you throw an egg on it, and you can call it brunch, right? There you go. That works. And then give it a Bloody Mary, and you're good. With some more oysters. With or, some more oysters, yeah. Or an oyster shooter. Have you ever had an oyster shooter? No. <laughs> um, are, are you a drinker? Kind of. I'm, I'm really a lightweight, but... Okay. Not really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, shout out to all the sober and semi-sober people out there. But uh, <laughs> no. But my first time in New Orleans, we did these disgusting things called oyster shooters, where it's cocktails in a shot glass. It's uh-huh. um, cocktail sauce, like a little teaspoon of cocktail sauce, um, an oyster, a raw oyster uh deshelled obviously and then filled with like well vodka oh now it's, that sounds really good uh, i all right if it sounds good to you it was gross to me i almost <laughs> i almost yacked all over the table okay well you had me at cocktail sauce i don't know what it is about cocktail sauce but it makes everything taste better yeah i, I love a i love a cocktail sauce are you not a mignonette sauce kind of gal no. <laughs> no. All right. No. All right. I love I love a good mignonette sauce. Well, um, happy National Oyster Day, 
out there to you all. And, um, you know, as we always do on In Your Mouth, we celebrate uh, this day in gay history. But I am just bringing the gay history to us today because um, Julius, as I just said, is debatably, and we're going to talk about this um, right now, the second oldest uh, gay bar in America. And I say debatably because there's a fight for the first oldest gay bar between Cafe Lafitte in Exile, which is in New Orleans, and the White Horse Bar, which is in Oakland. What are your opinions on this? Well, actually, I didn't know about New Orleans for some reason. I thought that there was another um, a bar in California that held, held yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's the White Horse. The White Horse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the one in New Orleans was not one that I was aware of. Yeah. So um, dating to 1933, Cafe Lafitte bills itself as the oldest continuously operating gay bar in the U.S. Um, and so that's there. And then also the White Horse Bar in Oakland also opened uh, in 1933, the same year as Cafe Lafitte. The White Horse also lays claim to being America's oldest gay bar. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Now, now Julius's goes back to, um, to 1864. 1864, um, but I think they're talking about operating solely as a gay bar from like the jump. Right, right. Well, I, I get that. And I, I guess because back then people weren't out, uh, you know, and being public about their sexuality, you know, I would tend to um, debate that only because in 1934, Julius got its first uh, liquor license. And since then, there have been, um, there has been gay clientele coming in and out of Julius, but obviously because you weren't supposed to um, be out and, and, and um, express who you were, um, I guess it wasn't known um, until 19 until April 21st 1966 that's when the sip in happened yes. so people were coming in it's just that you didn't make it known like the the way that you identified with each other was wearing a, a white carnation and that's how different people would know uh different gentlemen would know that okay that you were gay so that was a, a telltale and you know what's really funny is I just learned that I learn something new every day about the history of this bar. I'm obsessed with that fact. I am absolutely obsessed with that fact. And you just gave us um, just a really special little gift today with this white carnation information. Um, right, right. I mean, I didn't know it either. And and what's interesting about that is that um, uh, one of my bartenders who's been working um, at Julius for you know over 30 years... Uh, we did an interview recently with someone else, and uh, that that fact came up. And I said, "Wait a minute! I I never heard that before. This is something new." So it kind of makes sense. So you know, look, not to take away from anybody's, you know, anybody's um, uh, what's the word, uh, you know, claim to fame, but you know that this could be for any bar, really. You know, I mean, people, you know, wanted to congregate. And obviously there was some way that you had to figure out who, you know, who you can approach and who you cannot. So this kind of makes sense. And they all seem to have gotten, we all seem to have gotten our liquor licenses around the same time. Yeah. And you know what? Julius will always be number one in my Well, in heart. New York City, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And in New York City. Um, Julius is uh, infamous for so many things, including its burgers, which we will have to talk about a little okay. later. But I want to touch on the sipping because yes. uh, back in the day, it was illegal to serve somebody who was out of the closet, who was sexual. Right. right. And right. um, the sip-in happened in 1966. Can we can right. we talk about this for a minute? Because sure. uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the last people who was there at the sip-in uh, still was going to Julius for quite some time, right? Did he just yes. did he just yes. recently pass or no? Am I wrong? Yeah, that? yes, he did. Two actually, two years ago, um, I think it was a week before Pride. 
Dick Leish, who was the president of the uh, Mattachine Society at that point, uh, yes, he was coming. He was coming to Julius. And, and how we actually were introduced was in, um, in 2016, it was the 50-year anniversary of the SEPIN. And that's how we met prior to, um, prior to that date. So there was a meeting at a friend's house, um, a whole bunch of people that um, were involved in that process. Uh, we all got together and so forth. And I met him and it was like, I knew this man forever. He was so warm and so kind. And we just, just became fast friends. You know, we would uh, have long conversations together about various things, about what it was like to grow up in Kentucky, you know, and coming to New York and, and you know, the fact that he had an incredible faith and participated in his church. And you would think that these things would be things that, you know, somebody who, or at least the impression that people have is that you wouldn't have this kind of faith, right? But he says, oh no, he says, absolutely. You know, so it, so it really, gave me a different perspective and um and I just enjoyed listening to him speak you know he was just one of those charismatic people yeah so yeah and so I I mean yeah so he has passed away it's been two years and he passed away um um in 2018 sadly and um yeah I mean I miss him I wish he was around yeah, so in yeah. 1966, uh, Dick and three other friends, as I have read, mm-hmm. uh, set out, right, because they were part of the Mattachine Society, and the Mattachine Society was a group of people fighting for the rights um, to live free as homosexuals. They, they started as a group of lawyers, and um, they actually went to, and I just uh, found this out myself, they actually went to four bars, Julius being mm-hmm. the last, Correct. right? Um, the first one was closed. The other two they got served at, and then Julius, right? Mm-hmm. They went. They went in, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably know better than I do. Um, they went in and announced to the bartender that they were homosexuals and that they needed mm-hmm. to be served. And then that's when that infamous photo uh, was taken of the bartender um, with his hand over the drink. Correct. Yes. Right. And this yes. started. This started a lawsuit with the city and the New York State like liquor the liquor authority. Right. The liquor right. authority, which they ended up winning. Yes, they did. They did. I mean, can you imagine like just thinking about this today that you couldn't walk into a bar just because you're like and be served just because you're homosexual? Like, like, come on. I mean, but uh, listen, it was only what a month ago that um, up until a month ago, we could still be fired in most of America just for being gay. I I know. And, you know, but the thing is, is like, I guess most people don't realize that, I think. And, you know, when, when you hear that, you go, what, (laughs) what are you talking about? You know, that you could be fired because you're homosexual. I mean, like, it's just so, it just seems so unreal that that is happening today, you know, or was happening today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's insane. And I always say on the podcast that our history is not that much, it's history, but it Mm -hmm. it happened not that long ago, you know, it's not that old. Right. right. It's, st- it's still very recent. It's there. I'm curious. Is there, do you feel a uh-huh. large sense of responsibility because uh-huh. of this, est- this very historic establishment that you own that's so important to the community? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I, the, the thing about this, this bar is that the history of it is so important and there are so many people that still don't know what Julius is about. So I think this is a great way and a great way to actually let people know younger generation, the younger generation, obviously, you know, um, and it is a great responsibility. And, and I feel that I need to continue to protect it. You know, uh, I mean, the fear for me would be that, you know, something would happen to this bar and it's no longer around. And and I think it's so important that it be here, you know. Um, and and the thing is, is that, um, and I believe it was Dick Leish that said that, you know, uh, you know, we're homosexual men. We don't have children like heterosexual couples. So we have to pass on that history to the other, to the younger generation so that, that you're aware. It's not the same as 
you know, uh, when a heterosexual couple has, uh, has a family. Okay. So you're not passing it down the same way as you would your, you know, that history. So it's that it's, that's why it's so important. And for me, it is a great responsibility because I get it. And, um, and I think that being somebody who is not gay, who's not, you know, uh, who's not a part of the LGBT community um, in that sense. I think I'm also the ambassador, I think, for straight people that, look, this is, this is a bar, just like any other bar. People come in that, you know, you have relationships, you have friendships. It's, it's, there's nothing different here, you know? And, and I, I'm kind of proud of that. I, I really, I'm really proud of that, that, you know, why, why should we have any type of uh, separation or discrimination or, or so forth? So if this is my claim to fame, to, that this is the one thing I can do to better this world, then I'm really happy about it, you know? <laughs> I mean, you're preserving um, a large piece of our of our history. So like I myself, like mm-hmm. just talking to you now, I'm, I feel like a, a large responsibility even for you to like, you know, right, to protect right. that because this is not any old gay bar, right? And no, no. and no, um, and I'm not putting down other gay bars because our, no, 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 no. our, our LGBTQ spaces are, are few, you know, right. we have very few, for every like one gay bar, there's what, 50 straight bars? Right. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. so, so our, our safe spaces are few and far between. And I think that's um, a soapbox, if you, if I can say that, um, mm-hmm. that I've been on for a very, very long time in the sense of protecting those spaces. And, right. and especially a bar like Julius, because because once that's gone, our, our history starts to disappear. And it's also why I started doing um, a little bit, uh, every episode I do a This Day in Gay History, because mm-hmm. we need to keep that history alive. We need to pass down that history alive. Not only to, ed- and I'm educating myself at the same time, because I've learned a lot that yeah. I didn't even realize, you know? Like, right, right. So it's, I, it's, it's really, really important. And you know, I myself as a as a gay man carry a responsibility, and you as a straight ally who owns a piece of the piece of our history, I I would imagine is a huge responsibility on you. And so I thank you for keeping that alive and keeping that protected for us because that's it's important. It's super super important, you know. Right. Um, right. Uh, and speaking of keeping that alive, I think now would just be a great time to talk about like surviving the quarantine and uh, the GoFundMe, right? I, I think we're just going to go in and out of this GoFundMe throughout right. the whole episode because it's important, right? right? And 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 we need to let the people know. So how are you surviving during the quarantine? I miss the burgers, uh, <laughs> per se, first and foremost. Let's just, let's just put it out there, right? Um, if I'm going to get fat during this quarantine, I, I would much rather be doing it with Julia's hamburgers. But um, how are you surviving? So we, day by day, <laughs> and um, we, we actually tried to open a couple of times prior to uh, by doing takeout and, and uh, trying to do it that way. Now, what's happening, I think, for all small businesses, but for bars and restaurants in general is that is that there there are rules obviously you have to put in, you have to put rules in place for a reason for safety and so forth but the thing is is that the rules change all the time and then you, so you're you you do one thing that you're told and then something changes with that and then people are so excited that they want to go out they want to see their friends they want to have a conversation We've been, we've been at home in quarantine for three months, for God's sake, you know? And so everybody wants to say hello and talk to each other. So what happened was we had a lot of people who came because they wanted their Julius Burger, you know? And, and we were doing that. And the, the whole concept of this was that it's a go. So, of course, people would come, they would purchase their food, but then they would see their friend and they would say, hey, Michael, you know, how's it going? I you know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens is, is that you have a, a group of people that are standing around that shouldn't be. So those are one of the things that creates a problem for a lot of bars 
and 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 don't look at the bars. Don't don't compare us to the bars that you have like a hundred people outside just drinking and being irresponsible. Like we're trying to follow the rules, but you know I, I hate to put it this way, but it's those bars that ruin it for everybody else. You know, and um, and the thing is, is that you know our, the the basic thing is wear your mask. You know, if you're doing to go please take your things and go. You know, it's not that we want to, we want you to leave. We want you to stay. I want to hug every single person that comes to that door because I miss everybody. But for the sake of making this work, you have to take your food and go if, if that's what you're doing. So now, so then we closed because we, we had a 311 call. We had a lot of people waiting online. We were trying to get them to social distance, but again, you know, people talk, they, you know, um, the line is long, but now we have to police a hundred feet around our bar. A hundred feet. It's ridiculous. I mean, that like so we're now we're trying to serve customers and, and then we now have to police the streets. I mean, what if somebody's coming with a drink from somewhere else and they decide that they want to stand here? It's a public sidewalk, right? Exactly. And and it's probably harder because you're on a corner. So a hundred feet around the bar, you're like that circumference is like larger yes. for you. Right. In a sense, you know? Right. I feel like that goes all the way over to like the band. It's Lewin, across the it's across the street to, to the, the, ice, cream to the ice cream store. Right. Yeah. So you know they have people outside. So so it's it's just it really kind of doesn't make sense. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. And we get it. You know, we don't want to um have any any more of the spread of this of this virus we don't want that uh regardless if you know but the thing is it's also it has to be reasonable you know and um so what we're so what we're trying to do now is we have our outdoor dining permit and we're allowed to put tables outside so that's that's what we're going to do this weekend we're going to have what we where we're going to do like a little soft opening with the tables outside to give this a try try to do it mostly by reservation that way people are not standing around so if you want to come and you want to have a seat with your friends and have something to eat and have something to drink at least there's a time and you come and you sit and you enjoy yourself and then and then you go and then somebody else comes and that way we can hopefully keep the crowds away in that sense and make it safe for everyone, including the employees. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I can't even imagine as a bar or restaurant owner at this time trying to figure, trying to navigate this whole thing when the rules are changing day yes. by day. And then on top of that, from what I've heard just here in Midtown, because I have I have my finger on the pulse of um, like Hell's Kitchen a little bit, that uh-huh. The fire department is saying one thing and then the liquor authority is saying another thing. And then DOT is coming through and being like, oh, well, mm, I don't know. This is like an inch too far out. Mm, yes. Right. And so it's it's the rules on top of everybody else you have to deal with. Uh-huh. And then trying to serve your customers and trying to stay open at the same time. So kudos to you for like just trying to navigate this and so on like I can't even I can't even begin to imagine what this is like um but you started a GoFundMe because uh, obviously Julius needs to stay alive and you need help um talk to me about that right so so during this whole time obviously your your bills are still coming in you know any any um suppliers that you have your rent your insurance the the insurance is incredible you know, from last year to this year, even before this pandemic started, I mean, it doubled, you know, um, and, um, you know, so these are things that are still have to happen. You, you don't want to take away your insurance, <clears throat> excuse me, because, or you want, you don't want to get rid of these bills because, you know, the hope is that, okay, like next month or next week, you know, something will change. So you keep all of this going, right? I, the other thing is, is that at the end of the day, even if we, let's say we open this month and you haven't paid your rent in four months, right? It, it's still going to be due at some point. You know, you can postpone things as much as you want, but now what are you looking at? Now you're building up, you're building up bills to be paid once, hopefully once everything gets back to normal, but now you have this, 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 this big bill that you have to pay. So you know, these are all the things that are happening. 
And for me, I'm trying to do as minimal as possible to make that money stretch as long as possible so that, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe in two weeks we'll be, you know, we'll be able to have indoor dining. That's the great thing about indoor dining is that then you can control everything. You know, it's, it's, it's harder to control everything outside, but yeah, but this is what's happening. I mean, it's, this is not unique to us. Uh, it's also to the other, the other bars and restaurants, everybody has bills to pay, you know, and but we haven't been open in four months. So, <laughs> and your staff as well, I would imagine right. too, because there are right. a lot of that staff, uh, shout out to you, Deandre. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Um, yeah. uh, and, and the other staff that I love as well. Um, a lot of those guys have been working there for a long time. Like this is their, this is their job. Right. Period. Period.com. Right. Period.com. Yes, <laughs> that's true. And the thing is we, I went from, from seven days a week to having two shifts a day and having 20 employees to down right now we're at six people. And that's kind of a stretch too. You know, I, I want to keep the guys working. Um, some of the other guys, obviously they're, they're on unemployment, you know, that took a while too. So that was, that was traumatic for everyone. So I supported them through that whole time until they were able to, to get to unemployment. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're my extended family. <laughs> so you take care of them, you know? Yeah, I mean, yet yet again, another responsibility that you've taken on to take care of the community, right? Because uh-huh. you're you're not, um, and uh, this is a little bit of shade to some of the gay bars out there. You're not hiring um, straight men to to work the bar, you know. <laughs> I, you I mean, have, it's, you have a, yeah. you have a di- you have a diverse group of bartenders, right? Correct. Unlike yes. unlike the the gay baiting that some of these uh, some of the other bars that I've seen do. Uh-huh to us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's a responsibility yeah. and you're taking care of the community in that way as well. I am right. going to link out that GoFundMe so you can donate a dollar, two dollars, a hundred dollars, a million dollars if you want. Um, when I post the pod and obviously you all know out there that I link everything out and talk about everything all day long on Instagram. So you'll definitely get that um, out. And it's really not that hard to find if you if you Google Julius Bar GoFundMe, that comes right up. I think now would be a great time to take a little bit of a pause, right? And get a little lighthearted and take you, Helen, into my mm-hmm. favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call Food News Update. Food <laughs> News. Okay. Food <laughs> News. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. A judge dismissed a lawsuit filed against Burger King for its impossible Whopper. Have you heard about this? Are you a fast food person? Sometimes late at night I am, but what happened with the burger? (laughs) Well, I, I, I... This is a little bit of a stretch because I'm trying to relate it here to the Julius Burger, and the Julius Burger is not an impossible Whopper for sure. But apparently, um, a bunch of people sued Burger King for uh, misguidance, right, on this impossible burger, right? Mm-hmm. Um Seven plaintiffs in this case did not have enough evidence that Burger King consumers would be fooled into thinking the plant-based meat would be cooked on a separate surface than its meat products and therefore be vegan. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? Because they're advertising this like Impossible Burger, right? It's, right? And along with the Impossible Burger, it's vegan, but they're not cooking it on a separate element. So it's not vegan. So people Interesting. But should a burger be vegan though, really? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) That's that's a larger discussion that I don't know if we want to go down that road about like greenhouse emissions, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, Mm -hmm. and the killing of animals, and so on and so forth. Um, I I don't know if we want to go down that road, but there's a lot of vegan uh, food news as of late. It just keeps coming out. um, And I just found this interesting that like, 
you know, if people can have a problem with something, they mm-hmm. will they will just have a problem with correct with it. You, right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. But I, I it's a it really is a good point though. I mean, I I get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a vegan burger. It should be cooked on a separate element, but Burger King ain't doing that. Hmm. Right. Uh, we're, yeah. we're, not, we're not trusting that Burger King isn't doing it. Just like KFC just released uh, Impossible Nuggets. Um, they're not they're not buying an entire separate fryer to do that, to do that. Right. Right. Do that. That's it's, true. It's fast food for for God's sake. You know? I, exactly. I, I Well, I mean, I understand you want to include everyone and try to offer uh, people options. But some things are possible and some things are not. I mean, I guess they have plenty of room for that. I can assure you we don't have any impossible burgers at Julius. (laughs) We don't have the space for it. (laughs) I mean, I guess. (laughs) I guess. I mean, I guess if Burger King like sanitized half the grill in a certain way. Right. And then used one half of the grill and the other half for the vegan burgers. But then again, how many people are order? I'm curious. I would be curious to know. Here we go. This is the key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would be curious to know how how many people are ordering this impossible burger. Right. Because they have those right. numbers. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And then and then if it's if it's enough. Right. Why wouldn't you like just keep uh, at least maybe a small section of this that you only cook that like has been sanitized and like regulated for those burgers and then on the other half mm-hmm. of the grill or the other three quarters you're cooking the regular burger or is it well it's kind of hard to do because yeah, yeah it, it you really do have to have a separate space because well burgers are going to release some type of you know some t- some liquid as they're being cooked so it's going to kind of spread on the grill regardless. So yes. I think that I, I think the separate one would be the right choice. All right. Well, well, Burger King, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not mad, but I guess uh, people are. And I'm not really buying this burger anyway. <laughs> it doesn't look like Helen and I are going to Burger King to buy an impossible burger anyway. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Bars are serving ridiculous $1 menu items to stay open during COVID restrictions. Yes, those are very interesting when I read them. They're quite funny, actually. Um, you all out there, you, as soon as I started this headline, Helen was just shaking her head. Yep. Yep. I understand <laughs> all of this. So this comes from munchies.vice.com. Offerings like Cuomo chips and handful of croutons have appeared on <laughs> menus in New York as bars look for ways to keep their doors open. Because here in New York, um, uh, Cuomo has threatened to shut down the bars again Uh and now you need to serve food with every drink and the bars that I've been to um will throw a bag of chips at you if you Uh order a drink or something are you guys doing anything like that or or are you making people order the burgers and the fingers and the fries well actually in the beginning there really wasn't um it really wasn't a specific um requirement in the very, very beginning. Uh, but so we did the chips for people who may have wanted a second drink or something, but most people come in because they missed the Julius burgers and the fries and, you know, the onion rings and the chicken tenders. So, oh my God, so it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. Yes. <laughs> chicken tenders are so good. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Oh my and goodness. the, uh, yeah, the mozzarella sticks, all of that, you know, oh. it, that's bar food, you know, but it, What do you think think separates um, good bar food from bad bar food? Mm. Because because some of that, I know for a fact that some of that is like standard comes from like you order, what's that company that you order from? And it's just like, these are the standard like chicken fingers. It's kind of like where TGI Fridays and all those people are pulling their chicken fingers from, you know, and that's why. Yeah. Well, look, if it's a big, if, you know, if it's a big corporate uh, uh, supplier, I'm not one of those people. I really support small businesses. 
So the guys who deliver our burgers, I mean, the, um, the blend of, uh, the blend of the meat that comes with that burger is delivered by the small pop mom and pop shop. So I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what they're ordering from these big companies, but this is like a special blend that we get. And it's been the same company even before we owned it. That's, a, so, that's incredible. And, you know, and they're suffering too. So it, it's actually a domino effect, all of this that's happening to, um, to all the businesses. It's not just the bars. Obviously, it's all these people who supply you as well. And if you're using small mom and pop shops, they're, they're struggling too. Our meat delivery guy uh, used to do deliveries five days a week. Now he does one day a week. That's, I don't know how they survive. Yeah, so. I mean, times are hard. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. Sorry, and I didn't mean to go off on the tangent I know, there. But I know. Wow. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Ellen. Way to bring us way down. No. <laughs> so. These a, uh, I guess I let us there, but that's a okay because uh, I mean we need to talk about it. Um, right. But these bars, it's ridiculous. There's this one bar, uh, Home Team Pub in Liverpool has a one dollar menu, and this one dollar menu on Twitter is one small, one small boneless wing, uh, one pretzel <laughs> bite, smallest, what? smallest milkshake in Liverpool, uh, some tater tots, and under that it says one, two, three, four, five or seven tater tots we're not sure how to count since school's closed um and or a spoonful of rice pilaf um there's uh, at the lafayette there's like a handful of grapes smallest piece of, uh, smallest piece of cheesecake and buffalo nine french fries a handful of croutons um wow listen michael you have to do what you have to do okay yeah. so you know, I think one of the other thing was that they had, a, they listed, oh, foods that you can share, and they listed soup, and somebody said, really, soup? How many people share a soup? Go figure, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, Handshakes Bar and Grill on their menu uh, has Cuomo uh, um, vertically on their menu, and it says Cuomo's Unnecessary Obligated Menu Options. <laughs> I love that. That's right? great. Yeah. yeah, and it's just some onion rings, some fries. Oh my God! Well, here's to you. Here's to you, Helen, and all the other bars out there trying to survive in any which way they can. I'm, you know what? I'm here for a handful of croutons. You know, especially if they're Parmesan. There you go. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> and last but not least, Cheez-Its and House Wine have a brand new dual box, complete with rosé and white cheddar crackers. So apparently, House Wine and Cheez-Its have paired before and it comes in a box two bottles of rosé and a half a box of Cheez-Its so you can you know have wine and Cheez-Its that's it I think add some grapes to that and you're you know you're really good you're really good it's like the poor man's um like cheese platter right yeah exactly I'm in (laughs) (laughs) and since um a lot of places are shutting back down again if you want if you want like your like wine and bar snack fix, I I think this is really great too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can throw anything in a box. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, throw me, uh, throw me in a box and ship me out of here because th- this is a... <laughs> me too, can we go first class? <laughs> first class FedEx Express. You know? <laughs> there you go. Just put some holes in the box so we can breathe. <laughs> And one of these wine boxes with the Cheez-Its, right? You you and me. (laughs) And I think that's a great way to end food (laughs) news update. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Thank you, Michael. I told you this was a good time. It Um, was. How did you come to own Julius? So... How do we come to own Julius? Yeah, like, so uh, what, did you wake up one day and you were like, I want to own, like, the second oldest gay bar in America? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, it was our fifth bar that we own. Um, my husband and I got into the bar business um, about 30 years ago. At first, we used to, you know, we worked for other people and kind of got the hang of it. And uh, my husband said, you know, let's do you want to give this a try? Let's not necessarily starting off with Julius. There was a couple of other bars that we, um, that we purchased, that we had, uh, which are no longer around, unfortunately. 
And uh, 11 years ago, my husband passed away of cancer. And um, it was either let this bar go or kind of make a go of it. Um, I had lost my job, um, was in fear of losing my home and so forth. And I met a wonderful friend at Julius who were, were still very good friends today. And he gave, he told me the importance of Julius. You know, my husband used to run the bar. I would be home taking care of our son. And now I'm jumping in into the fire, so to speak, to learn everything and, and continue to, to keep this bar open. And he told me the history and I said, wow, I said, this is so important. And that's what started this whole thing for me was not only was I just kind of learning as I went, but I also learned the history as well. And the more I learned, the more I saw the importance of keeping this place going. And, you know, it has become the, the home away from home and customers have become family. And I just can't imagine not not having that family around. Yeah. There's a man that sits at the end of the bar that has his own uh, purple uh, wine goblet that he drinks like Heineken out of, right? Speaking of yes. family, um, his story is very, very interesting as yes. well. Yes. Um, I got mm -hmm. to sit and talk to him for a very long time. Um, and I just, mm -hmm. I, I was attracted to, I wanted to know about the glass. I was like, what is this? glass and he was like no I've been coming here forever this is my glass this is my this is my seat um so I can imagine that that family feel, feeling that cheers-esque right. feeling of like this is this is what separates Julius from the rest you know and once again no shade to the other bars because if we're uh, the other gay bars Mm -hmm. it's just a different feeling. It's just a completely different feeling and a different vibe and a different aura. Like the, the bar carries a spirit. Right. And see, that that's the thing that a lot of people don't get. A, a lot of people think that just because there's another, there's another gay bar around the corner, that that makes you competitors. And it's not. This is what I tell people. I said, one has nothing to do with the other. Every bar has something special to offer. It just depends on what you're looking for. You know, and every single bar that's around needs to be supported. You know, I'm not going to be selfish and say, oh, no, I want everybody's business. No, like these are the safe spaces that are important to different generations, whatever you're looking for. And that's what they provide, you know. Uh, and so that's why that's important. You know, if you have every place is giving you exactly the same thing. OK, well, then you're going to have a competition. But. But no, it's not a competition. You need these spaces. And like you said, they're disappearing and they need to be there. It's that important. Exactly. And I mean, we just lost two gay bars here in Midtown, uh, one being the oldest gay bar in Midtown, Ninth Avenue Saloon, which was, ho which was home to many. Um, and I will miss dearly, especially because mm -hmm. I love Ninth Avenue Saloon because they had a community library on the wall. Right. And people, people would just drop off books and take books. And I, I just uh -oh. love that. I remember I yeah. dropped off um, a crap ton of cookbooks at one point because I live in a hundred, I live in yeah. 120 square feet. And at one point I was just getting sent cookbook after oh, that's cookbook. Great. And I was like, this is too much. <laughs> I don't have room. That's when you make end tables out of them, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, that, if I had room for an end table, Helen. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I would. Um, one of my favorite, uh, one of my many favorite, I have a lot of memories. Let's start that again. I have a lot of memories at Julia's. And one of uh, my favorite memories is that uh, that my friend Zach and I would go into Julia's and there was a, there's a far corner where people would leave like screenplays. Yes. Yes. Uh, in the corner. And I, I think it still happens. And we would take them and just do like readings in the corner of these screenplays um, and just discovering people's art. And I love that, uh, people or whomever if it's one person just uh just leave, leave these screenplays for people to read and copies of them and oh yes take and to do whatever yes actually the gentleman that leaves them there his name is david hillman and he's a regular customer and he's a great writer I, and i'm sure you've read you know the screenplays but yeah absolutely he he's hope he you know his hope is that somebody would like the stories that he's leaving and make a movie out of it or a play out of it so yeah serious stuff yeah. <laughs> I love that. I mean, speaking of movies and plays, Julius has uh, set the scene for many, uh, mm -hmm. many a film and many a television uh, 
production, mm -hmm. uh, most notably uh, and recently Pose. Correct. Yes. Pose. Yeah. Um, what are the others? Is that movie with? Um, it's can, it's Can You Ever Forgive Me with Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. And then mm -hmm. is Love Is Strange. That was an Iris X movie. Um, and that was with John Lithgow, Afro Molina, and um, oh my goodness, <laughs> I can't think of the actress's name. But yeah, yes. I mean, and, and there was Boys in the Band that was done just recently that was supposed to come out this year. I think it's still supposed to come out this year. Yeah. But Ryan Murphy is really does a lot of, um, has done a lot of movies. Well, three out of the four that I've been there for. And uh, he always really does um, hit it home with the subject matter, I think. You know, I, I love to watch his stuff on TV and it always is so relatable, you know. So I'm so proud that he chooses to come to Julius and, and use our space. Yeah, I get, I get oddly excited when I see Julius on the t TV, like when... Um... MJ Rodriguez walked into Julius a bar mm -hmm. uh, in Pose, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's Julius!" <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. I, I it's like I, it's this connection I have with the bar because um, it's so special that I'm like, "Oh my God, there it is!" You know, right? And that's right. cool. You know, or maybe it's just being a New Yorker because I'm born and raised here. That sometimes uh, there was that movie Birdman that was filmed down the block from me, mm -hmm. and the way. And all throughout Broadway and the way they messed with the streets really messed with my mind because I was like, that, that street doesn't go that way. And that door doesn't lead out to that street. <laughs> right, right. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. No, I know. I know. It's, it's very interesting to watch, too. You know, um, I get excited. Well, one, because, of course, it's, it's my bar, but I get excited because I go, wow, it looks so good in the movies, you know? <laughs> It, 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 I, I, it, yeah, it's, and I mean, they're not, they're not changing the bar. No, I have not seen that bar change. No, like, they're not putting up false walls or taking things down or, you know, right. And, you know, it's interesting when Pose was done, you know, they, there was a, there was a concern as far as using the name and associating it with us throwing out transgender women. And, um, and we still get a little bit of slack about that. But it's, it may have happened maybe in the past, you know, years and years ago, but it certainly isn't something that's happening now. So I kind of hate that it gets associated with that, that we're throwing out transgender women, but because everyone is welcome, you know. But, um, but yeah, it, it was, that was a phenomenal show because I think it brought so much attention that was so needed for mainstream i think uh america to see i mean i watched yeah. it i watched it with my son and we watched it and we couldn't wait to see what was happening in the next episode you know <laughs> it's so it's so good it's so good and i find it really interesting that people have taken um this fictional um story right mm -hmm. based based in history mm -hmm. right but it's obviously I, uh, these characters are fictional right. and taken it to heart to associate your bar doing that right. sort of thing because I have seen everyone from every creed mm -hmm. in your bar, right? And right. I've actually never seen anybody thrown out except for my mother's ex-boyfriend who I threw out. But that's okay. another story for another <laughs> We need to talk about that one. <laughs> well, if you were throwing him out, I'm sure there was a reason for it. And you have yes. to protect mom. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, speaking about my mom, yes. really quickly, shout out to you, Mama Gladys. Mama Gladys is also a big fan of Julia's bar. Aww. And uh, she is the one... I, I already knew that this was happening, but she's the one who sent me this timeout article mm -hmm. where my Instagram photo was actually a piece of it as oh, well. Right. And oh. she goes, oh, no. Right. And <laughs> what are we going to do? Right. <laughs> well, you got to bring mama down and have some burgers and fries. Yeah, she's obsessed. And so as soon as you open, we're definitely going to do that. It'll be our first stop. I really want to thank you for taking some time out to come uh, just on my Big Gay podcast to share not only your story, um, Helen, but the story of the bar and the history. I think it's important. Um, I know it's important, A, and B, to hear the story from the inside and get an inside view, mm -hmm. I think is really, really extra special. 
And um, without you coming here, I don't think that would have been possible uh, for me and my audience. So I really want to thank you because this has been a very, very special episode uh, for me personally. Thank you. Thank you. And it's very special for me too, Michael. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, Folks out there, if you want to follow Julius Barr on Instagram, it's at Julius Barr NYC. Just Google Julius Barr, y'all. All the information will come up for reals. Um, And when we open back up, please hit the bar. Uh, Treat the burger guys uh, nicely because they're working in a very small space under a lot of heat and... um, you know, they, they pound that out really quickly. And let me tell you, it's worth the wait. Just order and go away. It's worth <laughs> the wait because the burgers are like top five in the city. Top five, folks. Um, so for sure, um, if you want to donate to their GoFundMe, uh, they are raising money for the staff and to help keep the bar open. I will link that out. Or obviously you can do Julius Bar NYC, GoFundMe. That'll pop right up. There's like a ton of articles out there in all gay media talking about it as well. If I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, Helen. Yes. Yes. You can Google Julius's bar and you can find history and pictures and everything you wanted to know. Yes. Uh, For sure. For sure. And um, other than that out there, um, Happy first week of August. Uh, stay safe. Stay school. Uh, stay school. Stay cool. <laughs> um, wear a mask. Socially distance. You know what to do. Don't be a jerk, right? Um, and um, support our gay, um, our gay businesses and our gay safe spaces because uh, you know what the hos- I talk about this a lot on the pod. The hospitality business is suffering, and if you have even a dollar to donate someplace why not donate it back into the community that keeps um your homes your homes outside of your home safe for you and with that um folks i'm just gonna say thank you for listening to in yo mouth